The scripture reading this morning is found in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, and we'll read the entire chapter. Beginning in verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Received ye this Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain? If it be yet in vain, he therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, Doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham and the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, as to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Where there, wherefore then service the law? It was added because of transgressions. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hands of a mediator. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid, 
For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up to faith which should come afterwards, which should come, excuse me, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, for we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, as we come to thee in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord this morning, we come in his merit. We come on the basis of his shed blood. Father, I hate sin. I don't want it. I confess it unto thee this morning. But if indeed I would get my just desserts, it would be that you would cast me in hell for my sins against thee, the holy and righteous God. But thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption and cast all my sins behind your back never to be remembered against me anymore. I praise you that you bore the curse of the law for me and that because you were made sin for me who knew no sin, you were able to make me your righteousness and impute thy righteousness to my account. And our fathers, we've come together this morning to worship thee and to hear thy word. Fill us with thy spirit. Overflow us with thy grace. Give us the tongue of a ready writer that we may be enabled to speak the word in due season that our hearts would be turned toward thee. Our Father, we do pray that thou wilt give us precious souls this morning. We would see men saved, women saved, young people, precious souls coming to thee. Thy children would be edified and strengthened by thy word. And thou would be glorified in all that is said and done. We thank you, our Father, for every trial of faith. For there are many this morning who are suffering, not only in body, but are suffering in mind and in soul 
And we do pray for them. We bring them to thee. Would you remember them? Would you let, you, let them know that you love them? And that underneath are thine everlasting arms. Would you cause them just to rest in thy love? And now, Father, those this morning who do not know you, would you draw them with cords of kindness and cords of love unto thyself by thy Spirit, that they would come to know Jesus Christ the Lord in all of his glory, and that be able by faith to know the beauty and the glory that's in him and the forgiveness of sins, and being made a child of the living God. Our Father, we thank Thee for every trial of faith that You bring us into, and we praise Thy name, that even in the blackness of darkness, when the Red Sea is before us, and the Egyptians are behind us, and the mountains are on either side, and we can neither go forward nor backward, not to the left, not to the right. Yet you say in thy word, we can say with Job, you know the way that we take. And thou hast bottled us up, that we might cast ourselves upon thee. And we do pray that you would deliver for thy glory, that you would give, get all the, the glory for all that's done. Bless each home this morning. Bless those that could not be here because of sickness. We pray for them and have mercy upon them. Lord, we love you. We desire to be whole and completely thine. And we desire to follow you with all of our heart. And so we wait before thee that you will give us what is needful for our hearts this morning. For in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Last Lord's Day morning, you remember we took you to Mount Sinai, to the law and to the gift of repentance that God gives that leads to that peace that passeth all understanding that's in Christ, being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and he gives us that peace that passeth all understanding as we come to him with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, making <coughs> our request known unto him. And he keeps our hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. As we waited for God to give us the text this morning, the message, he led us through somebody's prayer this week to Galatians 3.13, let's read 10 and 13. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. The title for our message this morning has been in my heart for a few days. 
no salvation without substitution. For substitution is the heart of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We find it, we find it here in Galatians 3.13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. And then we have it again in 2 Corinthians 5.21, where it said that God made Christ sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. In a nutshell, that's the gospel. Christ was made sin for us. He took our sins and bore them in His own body upon the tree, and in turn, He imputed to us, reckoned to our account, or gave us His righteousness, which He worked out for us in his life and death and resurrection and therefore there's an exchange of places that substitution someone took my place and that one was the Lord Jesus Christ keep it in mind never get away from it there's no salvation without substitution someone had to die if I was to be saved by the grace of God, and God saw to it that this did happen in His own Son, because He sent Him in the likeness of sinful flesh <coughs> and made sin for us who knew no sin. We might be made the righteousness of God in Him. First of all, this morning, what is the curse of the law that's intended here in these verses where it says that Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. Notice those words that he was made a curse and he was made a curse for us. Well, the Word of God says, who are whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of them all. And when the lawyer asked our Lord what is the greatest commandment, our Lord said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, thy soul, and thy strength. And the second is like it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. For on these two hang the whole law and the prophets. So when we break the law of God, we come under the curse of Almighty God. For whosoever shall, shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. And the Word of God again says, The soul that sinneth it shall die. And again, that death that he's talking about there is eternal damnation in the lake of fire forever and forever. The curse of God upon sin is real. God's curse upon sin is real. Because sin is real. And because God is real. And because you and I are real. And we have broken God's holy law, therefore His curse is upon us. And if a substitute is not found to take our place, we're gone because we cannot keep the law in any point whatsoever what it is. And we went over that with you last Lord's Day morning from the ten words from Sinai 
thou shalt have no other god before me. Thou shalt not make to thyself any raiment image or bow down to them. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. <clears throat> Honor and keep the Sabbath day holy unto the Lord. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not bring false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not steal. And thou shalt not covet. The ten words from Sinai. And we have broken this law, God's law, so his wrath is kenneled against us because of it. I have much to say this morning. I pray that you will pray, pray for me and with me. I've been wrestling with a, with a horse so throat all week long. And, uh, but I, I, I did want to come to the pulpit this morning because God had laid this, laid this word upon my heart. And as it develops and unfolds this morning, you will see why we are coming to Calvary and what God has done and will do. But I want you to understand now that God's curse and God's wrath is real. For he tells us in Nahum these words, God is jealous and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and it is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. Verses 5 and 6. The mountains quake at him, and the hills melt, and the earth is burned at his presence, yea, the world and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before his indignation? And who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. The whole Word of God is filled with scriptures like these of the wrath of God and the fury of God and the vengeance of God against sin. And I'm here to tell you by the grace of God this morning, unless we come by faith and hide ourselves in the, under the blood tree of Calvary and hide ourselves in Christ, and as we come by faith, Look only to the Lord Jesus Christ for the redemption of our never-dying souls. Then we abide forever under the wrath of a sin-avenging God. This curse upon sin arises from the fact that we have broken God's holy law. And this curse that comes upon us is a sign of God's displeasure against sin. God hates sin. God's whole being is against sin. He cannot do anything but punish sin because it's against his very, uh, very nature. It's against his throne. It's against his sovereignty. It's against all that he is in his holy being. Sin is <coughs> rebellion in its essence against the authority of the one who sits upon that throne of sovereignty this morning. We know from Scripture that God is angry with the wicked every day, and if he turn not, he said he will wet his sword. His bow is bent, his arrow is ready, looking for it and waiting for the mark to let the arrow go. And we know not what time or when or where God's judgment is going to fall upon sin. 
And every last, everyone outside of the Lord Jesus Christ stands under the curse of Almighty God. And God must punish sin. He must put it out of His sight, for He's a purer eyes than to behold iniquity. Sin provokes God. Sin provokes the holy mind of God. Sin is something which God utterly detests. Something which God utterly loathes. He cannot stand it in His presence at all. He's of purer eyes than to behold iniquity. The very thought of sin, God sees. The very word of sin that we commit, God hears. The word of the word of action, the sin of action against the holy and righteous God is not tolerated by Him because He knows that it's against His authority and against His throne. God hates sin. And where He finds it, it stirs up His wrath against it. I'll keep repeating it. He is of purer eyes than to behold iniquity. He cannot endure it. He is a God that will constantly execute vengeance upon every evil work. Now it seems at times that God does not see what's going on upon the earth. We say, how long can God put up with this? God is also a God who is a patient God. A God who is a God of long-suffering. He's a God who is a God of mercy. He's a God who is a God of love. But because He waits, and judgment is not executed quickly, the sons of men believe that God does not see, and that God does not know. But Satan has blinded the eyes of them who believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine into their hearts, lest they would hear with their ears and see with their eyes and understand that God's judgment abides upon them. If you're here this morning and you're dilly-dallying with sin and you've not come clean and come clear with God and you have not got down before Him and confessed your sins and repented of your sins, and turn to God from your sins. I say that the curse of God and the wrath of God is upon you. This curse implies something more than just anger. It is, suggest it is suggested by burning indignation. And truly our God is not only angry with sinners, but his wrath is greatly kindled toward him. Hebrews 12, 29 tells us that our God is a consuming fire. I don't know if you heard that or not. But the Word of God tells us, not my Word, the Word of God tells us that our God 
is a consuming fire. So I would beg of you this morning, if I could, I'd take every one of you to Christ. I would tell you this morning to hear. Ask God to give you ears to hear. Because God, not, God does not only say that, the Word does not only say that our God is a consuming fire, but it also says that we know Him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge His people. It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. I would you could hear that this morning. I would that God by His Spirit would take that home to each and every one of our hearts. If you're here this morning without Christ, He says that it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God because apart from the blood of Calvary, the blood of Christ, our God is a consuming fire. Beloved, I tell you, even as his child, I quake and tremble at times when I have sinned against him. And if I did not have the blood tree of Calvary to run to, I would be of all men most miserable because I couldn't stand it. I don't like sin. I hate it. And I must flee to Christ. And I tell you to do the same. I want you to listen again to the Word of God. And this is, our, this is Jehovah God speaking to Moses. And this is what he says. See now that I, even I am he, and there is no God with me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. For I lift up my hand to heaven and say I live forever. If I wet my glittering sword and mine, mine hand take hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to mine enemies and will reward them that hate me. I will make mine arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh and that with the blood of the slain and of the captives from the beginning of avengers upon the enemy, the wrath of God against sin. If I wet my glittering sword, the glittering sword of God hangs over every soul this morning outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Word describes Him as being just that, a God of vengeance, a God who is going to render vengeance against His enemies. They abide under His curse. His arrows are ready. His sword will devour all flesh. And there will be none who will be able to deliver out of his hand unless you are delivered through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then again, I would like to establish this from, from the New Testament again in First and Second Thessalonians chapter 1. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God, and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory 
of his power. What a word. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. And when he does, he's, he's going to be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. Now watch this expression. And that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And there are those sitting before me this morning who've had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to obey the gospel and to close in with the Lord Jesus Christ for the offer of the gospel has gone forth from this pulpit a thousand and one times and I know, I know that I've preached the gospel of the grace of God from this pulpit and not only me but others and I know that the word has gone forth and the curse of God, of Almighty God rests and if that curse is not removed in the bloodshedding of the Lord Jesus Christ, then those who have not obeyed that gospel to close in with Christ and to forsake all and trust Him and lay at His feet in confession and repentance, God is coming and He's coming with vengeance to take vengeance upon them that know not God. Then again, the Most Holy God has written warnings in His Word which plainly inform us, as we've tried to describe to you. Beware ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. That's the same God who offers us salvation in Christ. Same God. Therefore saith the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the Almighty One of Israel. Ah, I will ease me of mine adversaries and avenge me of mine enemies. In other words, sin wearies him. Sin is against him. And the day will come when he says, I will ease me of my adversaries. I will get rid of them and I will avenge myself of mine enemies. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. How many of you since your youth, since you was, if you were up in a Christian home or in church or Sunday school, you could not have missed the story of the flood and the deluge. And what did God do? He said that their rebellion and their sins come up into my nostrils, into my face, and the imagination of the thoughts of, of their heart are only evil continually. And I'll tell you what I'll do. I will destroy them I will save one man and his family and I will save them by the ark that they're going to build. And it has been calculated that there were 15 billion people on the earth at the time of the flood. 2,000 years when men lived to be nearly a thousand years old and could produce children. All of this time it is calculated. And I saw it calculated in a book going by somebody else's thing, what somebody else has said, well, all you got to do is figure out how much the population of the earth has changed 
in the last hundred years. <clears throat> and, to, and to figure that one out, remember the flood and God's wrath upon it. He spared not, He spared them not, but the flood came and He wiped them all out in His judgment because of their sin against Him. It came up in His face. Go stand with Abraham as he got up that morning and went to the door of his tent and he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah. And as the sun was coming up, fire came down from heaven. Could have been the first atom bomb ever exploded, I don't know. But, but, but the fire came down from heaven and devoured Sodom and Gomorrah. Three people got out. And that were saved from the deluge there. It's Sodom and Gomorrah. See the curse of God against sin. You take Lucifer, the son of the morning, and his rebellion against God. When he swept a third, of the, he swayed a third of the angels to rebel against God and His Christ, and God punished him forever and forever with no mercy. Because he did not take upon himself the form of an angel or the nature of an angel, but he took upon himself the, the, the nature of Abraham, man, that he might redeem those and those alone from among the sons of men. But remember how he... Re read Ezekiel 26, 28, and see... What, what position Lucifer, the son of the morning, had, and how God swept him out of heaven, and the wrath of God abode upon him with no hope except for him to suffer forever and ever in hell. And all you've got to do is follow the children of Israel for 40 years in the wilderness and to see them one by one die off. Every man woman and per young person over the age of 20 who came into the land 40 years later there were none of them left but Caleb and Joshua and this is what God said wherefore I was greed with that generation and said they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways so I swear in my wrath God swore in his wrath they shall not enter into my rest and the hand of God's judgment and justice lay upon them. Now I've showed you from the word of God this morning then that God's curse upon sin is real. God's judgment is against sin is real. And that God's wrath is coming. Been reading through the Psalms. <clears throat> it was in Psalm 37. And I remember reading this Psalm when we had a president in the White House that was one of the most, most ruthless men. Back in the 60s. And I read in Psalm 37 where it said, 
I have seen the wicked in great power and spread himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. Here I saw him, but he could not be found. That came to my heart again yesterday as I was meditating upon it. Unless the one we have in the White House now repents and God shows him him mercy, he's spreading himself like a green bay tree now, but he will pass away and we will not find his place. And that's the same with every man, every woman outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. Judgment is going to fall. Therefore, we are not to fret ourselves because of evildoers, neither be envious against the workers of iniquity, because their day shall come unless God has mercy upon their never-dying souls. Our concern is to pray for them. Our concern is pray that God will send revival and awakening. Our concern is that our loved ones might get into the ark. Our friends might get into the ark. And there'll be none that we know that will miss that day of mercy and grace when God comes in flaming fire and vengeance to take vengeance on those that know not God and obey not the, the <clears throat> a gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. But then the question is asked from our text this morning, how was Christ made a curse for us? Sin is an accursed thing. And God, from the necessity of His holiness, He must curse it. He must punish men for committing it. And that's exactly what he did to his own son when his own son came. And said, Father, in the volume of the book it is written of me, I delight to do thy will, a body hast thou provided for me. And the angel said, That holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God, and he shall be the Savior of his people. But the sword shall go through him, and the sword will go through him, because the Father was pleased to provide a substitute for his people. The Father was pleased that when his wrath would fall, that all men would not fall beneath that wrath, because he was going to pour out his wrath upon his only begotten Son at the blood tree of Calvary. He was going to lay our sins upon him, the sins of his people. He might, the Lord Jesus Christ might suffer and die in, in, in their place. And he might offer to God <clears throat> that living sacrifice, that dying sacrifice of love, as the, the bleeding lamb upon the altar, that in him our sins would be punished, and that everlasting judgment and everlasting wrath would be poured out upon Him and not upon us. Now, my beloved, I want you to understand that He had no sin. He was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens, spotless, the spotless Lamb of God, innocent, no sin, without spot or wrinkle or anything but out of free love to our souls. He could say in John 10, 17, I lay down my life 
Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. It was in the internal, e eternal purpose of God that He would have a people, and that He would send His Son to die for those people, and that He would be made a curse for those people, <clears throat> and that in due time, when that Son came, our sins would be imputed, or committed, or reckoned to the Lord Jesus Christ, and He would bear the full weight of the wrath of God upon the, those sins, He might redeem us from the place of hell, and might redeem us from the curse of the law, and might bring us holy to God, it clothed in His, His righteousness. We might stand before God with no sin. Great is the mystery of godliness. I've been in the Lord for a long, long time, and I've been preaching for a long, long time. But I'll tell you what, I've never been, I've never been able to drop the plumb, blo plumb bob deep enough to find out this love. Why should the Almighty God, the Holy God, come in the person of His Son and die in the place, in my place and in my stead? Amen. I've never yet been able to plumb the depths of that love or to plumb, plumb the depths of all that He went through with that He might deliver me from going down to the pit. So God, so in time he was born, made of a woman, made under the law, and became a curse for us. He lived for us and worked out that perfect righteousness <clears throat> that he might take that perfect body as, an, as a substitute and as an offering and that it be nailed to the tree that he might become a curse for us. If you will follow him, you will find that it was in the garden that our Lord Jesus Christ began to suffer in His soul. He suffered in His spirit, soul, and body. It was in His soul that He suffered in the garden where He says, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Our sins had been laid upon Him. The weight of those sins drove Him to the ground. The weight of those sins made Him bleed until the blood began to pour from his, from his, out of his body as he laid there. One of the reasons... Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And he says, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He had enough strength to look at his mother and say, Mother, behold your son, talking about the Apostle John. He looked at the Apostle John, he said, Son, behold thy mother. And from that day she went home with John. But then came the blackness of darkness forever and forever. I want this thought to go home to your heart. No man 
will ever be able to look at God when he comes for judgment and said, you're a saddest. Because the Lord God of glory never punished one soul in hell, but that he first had felt what it meant to be cast out forever and forever in his son. Those three hours of darkness was eternity. When God completely turned his back upon his only begotten son, he was to taste death for every man. He was to go through everything <clears throat> that we would have to go through with that he would be a faithful and merciful high priest in the things pertaining to God, that he would be able to succor us unto himself when we ran toward him. And that fourth cry from the cross is one I never get away from. It goes with me everywhere. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? They even put it, and the Hebrew, Eli, Eli, lama sebechtenai. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And that will be the cry of the damned throughout eternity. And the Lord Jesus Christ had to feel that forsaking of God so that I would not feel it in the day of my extremity. Amen. A substitute, beloved, is a substitute. And when he substituted, he took all my sins and he paid for them. It was, a, it was a complete exchange. Here I stand with all my sins in all of their rottenness and filthiness and vileness in my own sight and in the sight of God. Here I am stripped naked before God without a shred of righteousness whatsoever, doomed and damned without hope and without God. And here comes the Holy and Righteous One down from heaven's glory to earth's depths that He might take upon Himself a body so that in 30 years, 33 and a half years, He would take that body to the cross and that He would allow Himself to be hung between heaven and, and earth as a cursed thing. And God's wrath began to pour, be poured out upon Him. And what did He do? He stood there as the naked sinner. Me. Without hope. He could no longer call Him Father. He said, My God, My God, why hast Thou forsaken Me? So that I could go free and be clothed in His glorious garment of righteousness forever and ever throughout eternity. You've heard it before, I've told you before. My idea of hell is this. With all the with all that the world the word describes hell to be, with its burning, with its suffering, with its gnashing of teeth, with the wail, the wail and the woe of a never 
ending eternity. I heard a cry similar to that last week as I took a call from a prisoner. And you know what he was? What he said? He said, I got three life sentences to serve. I can't take it. I can't take it. Tell me, what can I do? I can't take it. He was crying. He was weeping. He was crying. Three life sentences and I'm here. I can't get out. There's no help. There's no hope. I'm gone. There he was. You know what hell's going to be? You didn't have time to get to come to him in his holiness now you didn't have time to learn his holiness you did not time you did not have time to cry upon him for his holiness and god inhabiteth eternity and the soul in hell shall see this holy god and the holiness which he hated he'll have to look on for eternity and the more he looks at it the more his heart hates it and the more his heart hates it the more his heart burns against it and he curses God and but he has to look upon this holy God forever and forever hell is to be separated from the presence of God but that doesn't mean that the soul will not be there to see the very holiness of God that he hated and did not want and you know what our Lord Jesus Christ became sin for us who knew no sin. We might be in turn become the righteousness of God in Him. He suffered. He bled. Those three hours, as I said, was equivalent to eternity for the payment of all of his people's sins. He had to be the God-man. He could not have stood up under it just as man. His God, his, his divinity had to hold him and keep him as he suffered. As he died beneath the weight of that which he hated, but that which he was, by the decree of God, by the everlasting covenant of God, <clears throat> by His own love, by His own desire, He became this, that we might be what He is, and He might bring many sons into glory. Brethren, if that's not love, I don't know what love is. That's the love of God, and He was willing to do this in our stead. And as God poured out His wrath, Wave after wrath, wave after wave after wave of wrath. And God's sword was plunged into the very depths of our God, our, our, our blessed Lord's soul and body and spirit that He was made to feel and know the very essence of seeing what it was as he paid for it in his own body upon the tree he became cursed and God turned his back upon him 
I can't I can't preach it like I'd like to. I can't. I just touch the hem of the garment. I can't go to the depth of it. Hear him as he cries. Oh my God. I cry to thee in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and am not silent. But thou art holy. O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted, and thou didst hear them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. And they trusted in thee, and were not confounded. But me, I'm a worm. And no man, a reproach of men, and despised of all the people, had no help, no hope. He was gone. He had to pay to the full for his people's sins. Oh, heart, why don't you break? Heart, why don't you break? Why don't I love him more? Why don't I follow him more? Why don't I lay at his feet more? Why don't I love him continuously without a break, day and night, for what he did for me? Oh, hard heart break. But in three hours it was over. And his mind went through the, all of the Old Testament to find out if there was any prophetic scripture that had not been fulfilled in his death so far. And he remembered one. And he cried, I thirst. And they gave him gall to drink. And it was not until then and he cried with a triumphant cry that's been heard throughout eternity, through all the heavens and then all the heavens and all the earth, and has been preached ten million times. He cried three words It is finished. All that I came to do for my people is done. God's justice is satisfied, His law is vindicated. The holiness of God is maintained. I have paid for my people's sins in full. And there is no one can lay anything to the charge of God's elect because it is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, that's risen again, exalted to the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for us. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. It is finished forever and forever. It's finished, he said. Nothing to be added to it. Nothing to take from it. He will not let us bring one puny little work to him. For anything, it's all in Christ or it's not all. You have nothing. It's all in Him. And beloved, the believer understands this for time and for eternity. He's been accepted in the beloved. He's become a son of the living God. He stands before God in that precious robe of righteousness justified from all things that He could not be justified from by the works of the law. And here's a man who tried to work his way into heaven. I don't believe there's another man living that tried to work his way into heaven as I did trying to keep the law, but it was a complete failure. It only damned me. 
But to hear those words, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. It's finished. And when it was finished, guess what? He was no longer my God, my God. It was Father. And to thy hands I commend my spirit. And he finished. And he gave up the ghosts. And he died. But not until he had been made a curse for us. I want you to bear with me just a little longer. I'd like to bring my whole message this morning into one little capsule and let you understand what I've been trying to say this whole time. And I believe we can bring it all into one capsule. You follow us. The truth of substitution is this. The teaching of God's Word about salvation, which is the sinner being delivered from the power and penalty of sin in the Lord Jesus Christ is stated like this. Sin, because it is sin, rebellion against God, must be punished. The wages of sin is death. The thing that is due sin is death, eternal death. Justice, because it is justice, must punish sin because it is against God. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? If sin is on the sinner, listen to me now, if sin is on the sinner, then justice must strike through both sin and the sinner who carries it. And because God is holy and hates all sin, and because He hates all sin, His anger burns against the sinner. God judges the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. If the sin of the believing sinner is taken from his shoulders, and laid upon the eternal Son of God who came just for that purpose, then justice, who a moment before would have struck through the sinner and he would have died beneath his sins, now that justice follows those sins and it must strike through the person who has those sins upon him. The Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He shall bear their iniquities, he tells us in Isaiah 53. When justice once strikes the Son of God, justice exhausts exhausts itself in the Son of God. Remaineth nothing to be done. But sin is in an infinite object to God-man. And the sinner died in Christ. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live with the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Not only is this true, but there's more. Not only does justice exhaust itself by striking an infinite object, But justice meets a rebound. And therefore, since he died in the place of sinners, he must have a reward for his people. 
The knife of justice has been embedded into him and can no longer follow sin anymore for they are completely paid for in our substitute. Therefore, he has to be rewarded for what he did. Therefore, the moment the believing sinner receives the Lord Jesus Christ as his substitute, he finds himself not only freed from sin, but he finds himself rewarded for you read in John 17:22, the glory which thou gavest me, I've given them. He took our place, and the glory he had, he gives to us. Then the sinner gets all of heaven because of the glory and merits of the Lord Jesus Christ who died in our place. The substitution of the atonement which we preach is one of absolute exchange, for Christ also has suffered the just for or instead of the unjust to bring us to God. It is that Christ took my place literally in order that I might take His place literally. That God regarded and treated Christ as the sinner and that He regards and treats me, the believing sinner, as Christ. Do you believe that? Amen. That's the Gospel. That's what God's done for us. God has made Him to be sin for us who do no sin. And we in turn might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And from the moment we believe, I want you to hear this, from the moment we believe, God never looks upon me again apart from Him who was my substitute, for He sees me in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's grace, and that's the gospel, and that's substitution, and that's what I'm going to heaven on. Is his work. As he is, so am I in the world. We are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. We've been accepted in the beloved. We've been raised up together and made to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and there we are. God takes it if it's God takes it as if Christ's atonement had been mine. And as if Christ's life had been my life. And behold, He blesses and rewards. All that Christ did, He puts to my account, justified by His blood, saved by His, right, by his life. Then by the grace of God, those who close in with Christ and believe Him and trust Him, we are saved straight through to eternity. And He'll present us faultless and spotless before His eternal throne forever and forever. For we've been justified from all things. And let me repeat it again. If God has justified me, then who can condemn me? Amen. He's the highest court. He's God. And you can say the same thing this morning by coming to Christ. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you are. I don't care how many sins you've committed. You might see yourself to be the blackest of the black. That's nothing. The only thing that commends us to God is our sins. We can't bring anything else. We can't come with anything else. Could you? 
Is there anybody in the house this morning tell me that they are saved and they came to God with anything else but sin? You could not bring Him one, one, one work that you ever did. You came with your hands empty. And I've told it a thousand and one times when I turn toward the mercy seat, I've got nothing in these hands. I have nothing to plead but the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and that forever and forever. The only person that stands between me and hell is the Lord Jesus Christ. The only thing that keeps me out of hell is that Christ died in my place and His blood has cleansed and washed me from all sins. And I stand clean and pure and white before the eternal throne of God's glory this morning, dressed in His righteousness. And guess what? When He saved me, He gave me a new heart. He gave me a new mind. But I'm still missing one thing. I've got to have a new body. And that is going to come in the morning of the resurrection. And brother, you ain't never heard nobody shout. I just put old sinners on shout that morning. When the Lord comes back, and the Holy Spirit, if I'm still alive, the Holy Spirit's going to, who indwells me, is going to say, look up, he whom your soul loveth has come to get you. And I shall see him and be like him, for I shall see him as he is. And forever and ever, I'll feast upon Christ. And as Revelation says, we'll follow the Lamb whithersoever He goeth. If I have never preached the gospel before, I preached it this morning. I'll tell you that much. And that's what I came to do. And now, if God please to take me on home this afternoon, then I'll praise Him for that. And I'll have the third thing. I'll have that new body. I'll be for Him, and I'll see you all in glory. Are you going to be there? Please, I beg of you today. One more thing. Uh, Please, I beg of you. I do not want to stand in that day and have to witness against you that I preached the Word to you and you would not come to Him. You love the honor of man more than you love the honor of God. And you were not willing to bow before Him. I don't want to have to stand there in that day and witness against you. I want to stand there in that day and rejoice with you that you too were our partaker of God's divine grace and mercy, and that He's clothed you in His bright robe of righteousness forever and forever. I don't see I can put it any plainer. So why don't you come on to Christ? Every, every one in the audience this morning, you ought to just come on to Christ. Believer, you ought to come on to Him this morning anew as if you never came to Him before. And just lay at His feet and praise Him and praise Him and praise Him for what He's done for you. But I'll let you go. We'll pray for you. You pray for us, Brother Michael.
about the truth of the gospel is the power of God on his salvation. When we heard the gospel, it's a great gospel. It's a great salvation. But we do not frustrate the grace of God. We would say that righteousness was of the law. The Christ was dead in vain, but he's not dead in vain. He's risen. And we're risen with him. Everybody in this room either was or is now an adversary of God, and God is our adversary. But the Lord Jesus is called the shield, and he says, Abraham, I am thy great shield. Amen. And that shield stands between those fiery dots of condemnation and judgment and us. And we heard it clearly preached today. Our substitute who took the complete and total payment and punishment for our sins so that we might have his righteousness. For what the Lord could not do, your word says, in that it was weak in the flesh, God did in sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. To condemn sin in the flesh, so that the righteousness of the Lord is imputed to us, is given to us. What what do we say of so great salvation? But what amazes me, Father, is how could anybody in this room hear this word today and still continue in unbelief? This is what astonishment. This is what the power of sin is. This is the extent of the depravity of man. So I pray that the Holy Spirit would send the gospel through his power to reveal Christ to every heart. Break away the shield that is of the devil, not the shield of Christ, the one that blinds, the one that hardens our hearts and penetrate with the gospel that was heard today. May it never get away. And may it result in salvation so that the Lord Jesus who said, I thirst. I believe he thirsted to see the waters of the power of the Spirit bringing salvation to be overflowing like that river that came out under the temple. Amen. He thirsted to see sinners saved so that he would see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. Bring it to pass. For Christ's sake, amen. 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 May God bless you.